So uh, throughout our time of outdoor worship, and today we're doing outdoor-indoor, we've been concentrating on the life of Abraham. We've been looking at the call to follow God. We've been looking at holy hospitality, how God then fixes our mess. And, And today we're looking at trusting in his provision. And in our reading today from Genesis, uh, we pick up on the life of Abraham after he's reconciled with, uh, with Melchizedek. No, Abimelech. Sorry, wrong word, right? Yeah, Abimelech. And, and he's then settled. And he's settled in the land of uh, Beersheba. And, and there he's planted a tree. And he's planted a tree and he's called on the name of the Lord. Now, why did he plant a tree? At other times, uh, Abraham's built an altar. And we see throughout Scripture that people build altars in response to God. And and they discover something of God and and, and they give it a name that relates to part of God's character, to one one of his names. But here, Abraham's planted a tree. And maybe that's got something to do with the fact that he met God under a tree. As we looked at when we, when we kind of saw his call to be part of God's family, to be the, the father of nations, as he met under that oak tree in, in Moira. Genesis chapter 12, for anyone who wants to, to look back at that. But this time, it's a, a, a tamarisk tree. It's kind of like a, a bushy tree, one that's much more suited to a desert place, as is, as is the like of Beersheba. And what Abraham does as he plants this tree, he calls on the name of the Lord, and he recognizes that it's Yahweh, that God is Yahweh. Because there, you know, there's many names of God, and we come across these throughout Scripture, when altars are built, or in this case, when a tree is planted. And if you want to know a few of them, there's a banner in the foyer to have a look at on the left as you leave with quite a number of them sort of stitched in and some explanation or, or, or meaning behind that, 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 that name. I was looking at them this morning and some of them are slightly different to what I'll say today. Um, but the, the sense of the meaning behind it is, is the same. So you've got Genesis chapter 4. No, chapter 14, Melchizedek is there. And he builds an altar and he says, uh, he, he, he refers to God as El Elyon. And that's kind of the most high, God most high. For Hagar, we looked at a little bit uh, last week. Genesis 14, no, I've forgotten the reference to that one now, sorry. But, but she's, she's referring to God as El Roy. And that is the God who looks after me. And in chapter 17 of Genesis, Abraham uh, says, God, you know, and calls on him El Shaddai. Okay, almighty. But here, Abraham is really referencing that all of these truths of God and his name, that he is the most high. But that the most high God is Yahweh. 
the only God. And if we think back uh, to some of what we've talked about in the last few weeks, God has promised Abraham that he will be the father of many nations. Of a great nation, he'll have descendants more than the stars in the sky. And that's what the Lord's promised to give him. But right now, at this point that we meet in with Abraham, at this point in his story, this, this great array of land that he's looking out on, he, he doesn't own it. God's promised to give this land to his descendants, but it's not his yet. It takes a while before he's given any land to call his own. It takes the death of his wife before he starts to really own land, and that's in a couple of chapters later. But he is welcomed. He is treated with honor. He isn't treated like a foreigner or someone who shouldn't be there. So he is, he is starting to settle. And it's right at that point that God comes to him and says, Abraham, it's time to test. Time to have a test. What you've just realized about me, what you've just discovered, what you've just, you've just, you've just taken on, let, let's see how much that actually is resonating. Is it really seeking, seeping in? And the scriptures, they say that God tested Abraham. And that word is translated from the same Hebrew word that we read of later uh, when Jesus is led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. See, there's no, no real distinction between that temptation and test. There's not a separate word. Whereas here in the English language, we've got those two distinctions. Scripture doesn't have that. And so we have to look at it, is it a test or is it a temptation? And how do we distinguish between the two? A much cleverer person than myself, John Goldingay, a great Old Testament professor, uh, puts it like this. He says, in English, there are different words for testing and for temptation, but the Old and the New Testament use the same words for a positive testing that's designed to build up and a negative temptation that is designed to pull down. And so a test is only ever going to build you up. But a temptation is designed to drag you down. And here Abraham is tested. And the test, it follows this new insight, like I said, of, of God Almighty is Yahweh. And another word that he uses is El Olam, which is really God of all ages. Um, God, uh, everlasting God. And that everlasting looks forward and backwards. So God of the ages is a kind of a good English way to translate that, even though it's not the perfect translation. And so God, he comes to Abraham and he says, you know that son of yours, Isaac? Well, I want you to take him to the land of Moriah and I want you to offer him as a burnt offering. And every time I read that, I'm like, wow. Has God really 
asked Abraham to do that? To kill his son? Is that really what God's asking? And I guess the simple answer is that that is the words that have come out of God's mouth, so to speak. And Abraham has heard them. That is what God's asked. But it's a test. God wants to see if Abraham is willing to act in accordance with that new revelation that he's just had. So does God want him to do it? Well, God wants him to set out to do it. And Abraham's response is in line with what he has just discovered of God, that God is almighty, that God is everlasting, and that God is Yahweh. And so he gets two servants, and he packs up what they need on a donkey, and off they go with Isaac to Moriah. And Moriah is, is the land of Jerusalem. It's, it's the, the, the hill on which the temple will be built. And, and I, I kind of just find it interesting that as they arrive there, they get to the place where Abraham tells his servants, you just wait. Isaac and I, we're going to go. We're going to worship. And then we'll be back. See, Abraham believed wholeheartedly in everything that God had said to him. He's seen in his life already, how God fixes the mess that he makes. He's seen how God is faithful in all things. He's seen how God keeps his promises. And so being that God does these things, that he keeps his promises, Abraham really, he believes that Isaac, no matter what happens, is going to be the heir and it is through him that there are going to be many, many more descendants. More than, the scar, more than the stars in the sky. And so even Abraham, if he was to offer Isaac as a burnt offering, he believed wholeheartedly and fully that even if he did that, well, God would bring Isaac back to life. So he is fully committed to do whatever God has said because he fully believes the promises that God has given him before he has asked him to offer Isaac. But it wasn't necessary to go that far. It wasn't necessary for God to rise, raise Isaac from the dead because as Abraham showed, God, that his commitment is to the covenant, to that which he has just entered into with God and all those things that he has learned. And that's kind of rule number one for all of us. Rule number one is that we should never make God number two. And after the altar's been built by Abraham and the wood has been laid in the right order, he's bound Isaac and he's about to come at him with his knife. The angel of the Lord stops in and says, Hi, that thing that you're asked to do, just take a look over there. And there, caught in the thicket by its horns, is a ram. And what had Abraham said just before, as they were walking up the hill to Isaac? God will provide a sacrifice if that's what's needed. 
See, that day, Abraham called the place they were Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord will provide. And the imagery here that we have of that, of that place where Abraham is, is, is stood over Isaac. Isaac is bound, laying on the altar. Even the journey going up the hill, the imagery is just looking at it. You see through a lens of New Testament theology, you can see so much more. We've got Isaac who has carried that wood on his back in order to build the altar on which he would be sacrificed. In the same way that Christ carried the wood on which he would be sacrificed. You've got the ram that became the sacrifice, the substitute for Isaac, just as Jesus is the lamb of God, which is our substitutionary sacrifice. And just as Christ wore a crown of thorns, you've got a ram who is caught in the thorns by his horns. Abraham was tested by God. We too are tested by God. Now, the test may not seem comparable to what God asked Abraham to do and to go through. But the reason for the test is the same. The reason is to build us up. The test comes in a positive way to help to strengthen our resolve, to build up our faith, and to recommit ourselves to what we know to be truths of God. But thankfully, even when we fail in our tests, we're covered we're covered by the sacrifice of Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And a little later today, we're going to come and we're going to remember in the sacrament of Holy Communion all that that means. We're going to receive grace as we eat the body, and we drink the blood. Because he is our substitutionary sacrifice. He is the substitutionary atonement for which we can't live without. Because life is only available, true life, full life, in Christ. And to be in Christ is to be one with Christ. It is to accept God's tests and to walk his ways. But know that we're not always going to get it right. And so as you go and you step into following him more, I want you to hear that you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all kind of planned out and sorted because God's giving you permission to fail <laughs> because you've got to start out. People sometimes think failure 
as the start. If you think failure is ever the starting point, it isn't. You've got to go and do something to fail. If you just sit there, you're not a failure. I don't know what you are. <laughs> but flashing into my head are those, are those words of that great, amazing, wise scholar, Yoda. And he says, do or do not, there is no try. You either do or you don't. And if you do, then yes, you might fail. But your failure is already covered. But in doing, you are stepping out and you are heading in the right direction. That's what Abraham did. He headed in the direction that God told him to go. And along the way, he made mistakes. And God fixed the mess where he made those mistakes. And Wendy spoke about, about that quite a bit last week. But on this occasion, he went all out. He passed the test. And what did God do? God provided everything he needed. And God wants to do the same for you right now. So let's pray. Father, we come to you knowing that you sent your son, that as Jesus came and he died on the cross, he wiped away the punishment of sin for all who are in him. And so we come today knowing that you provide and where you call us, that provision will always follow. And we just concentrate and hold on to that truth that you are Yahweh. You are El Shaddai. You are El Elyon. You are El Olam. You are everlasting from age to age, beginning to the end. And in all of that, for all that you have done for us, for all that you continue to, to do for us, you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. And so we come to you, we turn to you, we give again of ourselves to you this day. And we ask that you continue to test us as you build us up and to protect us when the enemy comes in temptation so that we may continue to walk in the direction that you have called us to. As we head to your house, to your holy hill, in Jesus' name, amen.